Well, let's dive right in. So, uh, Merry Christmas to you. Um, I can tell that some people are really eager to celebrate Jesus tonight, and that's a great thing. Um, perhaps you're, you're new and you're joining us tonight, and if you are, we've been going through a teaching series for the last few weeks where we're talking about Emmanuel, God is with us. And what I want to do tonight is I want to talk briefly about one of the cornerstone beliefs that Christians believe. Because really, if, if this isn't part of what you believe, it really doesn't mean much. Because this is one of the most critical things that, that we believe as followers of Jesus. And first, I want to just recognize that, you know, there, there are some in the room who would say, well, I'm not very religious. And there's some in the room who would say, I, don't, I come from a different faith background. And first of all, we just want to say that no matter what background you come from or what you believe, you're welcome here. And we're glad you're here tonight. And what I want to do is I want to be as clear as I possibly can to explain this very, very important principle in a way that will speak to those of you that are followers of Jesus Christ tonight. And maybe those of you that aren't, maybe you'll maybe get something out of it as well. But I want to talk to you about something that Christians call the incarnation. The incarnation. What do Christians believe when they talk about the incarnation? And so what I would like to do tonight, just, just for a minute, and we don't usually do this, but would you mind just to show honor to the reading of God's Word tonight, this really special passage for Christmas? Would you mind standing to your feet just in honor of this reading? This is from Matthew chapter 1, some, some powerful verses of Scripture that will kind of introduce this idea to you. Starting in verse 18, it says, This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet, which was, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means, let's say it aloud, God is with us. And tonight we're going to talk about how God is with you in the person of Jesus Christ that His presence is with us, and He'll never leave you, He'll never forsake you. So um, let me give you a little background real quick before I dive in um, of this message. Occasionally people will say, you know, how long does it take you, Jared, as a pastor, to come up with a message? How long does it take you to do that? And my answer is usually the same. It's as long as it takes. And sometimes it's as quick as five hours, sometimes it's over 20 hours, and, and it's just, it just takes as long as it takes. Like, kind of like giving birth. <laughs> Can I say that? Because my wife has given birth to two children, and the first one, it, it felt to me, probably more to her, but it felt to me like it took weeks. Um, but the second one, it was like that, and probably wasn't like that to her, but to me it was, I probably, really probably shouldn't compare giving birth to writing a sermon, so forgive me, bless me, forgive me. It's probably time to just move on. Um, but what I was trying to say is this particular message has come to me from a really deep and um, very, very personal place, and so I think that it's going to speak to some of you in the same way, in a very personal way, because as I was preparing this, as I was working on this, um, there were moments where I laughed out loud, <laughs> and there were moments where um, I kind of broke down, and um, it was just because of the special way that this came about, 
And so I'm hoping that that speaks to you today. But the incarnation. What is the incarnation? In order to clearly define what this deep theological term means to us Christians, I thought I would go to the source of all wisdom and knowledge, Wikipedia. And here's what it says. I'm going to read this to you to clarify this big theological idea. Wikipedia defines it this way. In Christian theology, the doctrine of the incarnation holds that Jesus, the preexistent divine Logos and the second hypostasis of the Trinity, God the Son and the Son of the Father, taking on human body and human nature, was made flesh, conceived in the womb of Mary, the Theotokos. The doctrine of the incarnation entails that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully human, two natures joined in hypostatic union. So now that you fully understand the concept, we'll move on to something else. <laughs> in case you're wondering, um, I, back in the day, attended um, cemetery, I mean seminary, and um, I sat through all these deep theology classes and biblical history classes, and I went through all this stuff in depth, and I have no idea what Wikipedia is talking about. I just want to let you know that. So here's what I've done. To make this critical concept as simple as I possibly can, um, for those of us that are followers of Jesus, what is the incarnation? As simply as I can possibly put it, guys, the incarnation is when God became flesh in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. Because John's Gospel says this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. The incarnation is when God's Spirit entered the world in human form in the flesh of Jesus Christ. And this is an essential belief for Christians. Who was Jesus? Jesus was all man and all God all at the same time. He is God incarnate. He is God in the flesh. Now, that still might be a little foggy to some of you, so I'm going to do it this way. Amy and I are parents to two beautiful children, and so what I did is I decided to try to imagine what it would be like if I, as a father, as a loving father, had to explain this idea of the incarnation to my little boy. And so what would, it, what would happen if God the Father had a conversation with the Son, Jesus, before Jesus came to the earth, if the loving Father was going to have a conversation and explain to His Son what going to earth was going to cost Him, and what it was going to actually look like, and what his mission would be. Now, to be really, really clear for those who are really, really uh, rigid about the Bible, I realize this conversation didn't actually happen, but everything that I talk about in every detail is backed up by Scripture, and we'll show you that, and everything here happened. So imagine what it would be like if God the Father said, Jesus, Son, here's what this mission is going to cost you. And the loving Father explained to Jesus what this mission would actually entail. How would the conversation go? I've put together this little story of how that conversation might look. And God would say, Jesus, son, this is your mission, should you choose to accept it. I'm going to send you to earth to fulfill my perfect will, to be the sacrifice, the final sacrifice for the sins of the world. How's it going to start? Well, Jesus, I've chosen for you the woman who will be your mother, and you're going to love her. She's amazing. She's a young girl who's completely devoted to our will. Her name is Mary, and she loves us so much. She's pure in every way, not like a lot of these other girls that constantly play spin the bottle in truth or dare. <laughs> she's pure. She's a virgin, and she's going to be an incredible mom. I've also chosen for you, son, an earthly dad, Joseph. And he's a good man. But to be real honest, Mary's going to get a lot more play in history. <laughs> in other words, she's Mary. Joseph, you'll be lucky to get mentioned at all, but he's a good guy. And he's going to be your stepdad. 
So Jesus, when you get to earth, you have to remember, if you're going to be born of a virgin, that means that you have to be born of a virgin, so you're going to actually be in the womb for nine months. <laughs> Jesus looks up at him and says, um, could we consider a stork? <laughs> and God says, no. Just to be really clear why you have to be born of a virgin, it's because you're not going to have an earthly father who helps you to be conceived, therefore you will not inherit the sin nature of humanity but you're still going to be born of a woman. Therefore, you're all man, but you're also at the same time divine. You're human and you're divine because I'm your father, but there's a human who's your mother. You're man and God at the same time, and that's why it has to be that way. And Jesus says, okay, I understand. That makes sense. God the Father says, now when you're born, you need to understand this. You're going to be born in a very common place. Everybody's going to be expecting you to be born in a palace because you're the son of God, but instead I've reserved a nice farm area with some farm animals for you. Jesus smiles and says, I know, I get it. It's because we need to let everybody know that I've come for all of them, even the common and the ordinary, not just the rich and powerful. God says, exactly, son. Now when you're born, Jesus, you need to know this. From day number one, you need to realize that every demon in hell is going to hate you, and for your whole life, they're going to be coming after you and trying to destroy you. In fact, the first time that you're going to see this, son, it's before you're even walking King Herod is going to issue a command that all the little boys under the age two would be murdered because he's trying to get to you. Your family's going to have to go on the run. You're going to have to try to escape to Egypt because if you don't get out of there, your life's going to be in danger. And I can just see Jesus taking notes. Note to self, secure fast donkey. <laughs> Son, you're going to have supernatural power. All the power in heaven you're going to have while you walk the earth. You're going to have more power than the character 11 on Stranger Things. Only a couple of you have seen the show, I guess. <laughs> so much power, son. Whenever your mom and dad try to give you a, a bath, you'll actually have the power to part the water and sit on dry tub. <laughs> but Jesus, just take the bath. If dad tries to feed you broccoli and you want to change it into cake, you'll have the power to change it into chocolate cake. But son, just eat the broccoli. When you go to school, you're going to have perfect attendance. You're going to get straight A's. All the teachers are going to love you. The students are going to hate you and be jealous of you. When you grow up, by the way, I've chosen for you to be a carpenter, just like your earthly dad. You're not going to make a lot of money, but you're going to find a lot of fulfillment in helping people. You'll be good at it, but people will not even respect you in your hometown. They will not show you honor. But you'll work with your hands creating things because that's who we are. We are creators. And those people that you make tables for will have no idea that the very wood from which you make their tables is the same wood that someday they'll make the very cross that you'll be killed on. So Jesus, use your power wisely. You'll be able to actually speak words and change things. Your first miracle, by the way, son, I've chosen for you. You're going to change water into wine at a wedding. Jesus looks a bit confused and says, Dad, my first miracle? It's going to be a party trick? God smiles and says, yes. And then Jesus says, I don't understand. Why are we changing water into wine? And God says, son, we're going to mess with the Baptists. <laughs> For years, that denomination is going to debate and argue like it actually matters. Was it alcoholic? Was it non-alcoholic? Was it less? <laughs> we're going to have fun with them, son. But Jesus, you're going to actually do some real miracles, some serious ones. You're going to heal blind eyes. You're going to heal deaf ears. You're going to raise some from the dead. And they're still going to hate you. 
son, they're going to call you a liar. They're going to call you a lunatic. They're going to call you a crazy person. They're going to call you a drunk. They're going to say you're my enemy, but just keep on loving them. Jesus, just show them who we are. Show them my love. So what I want you to do, son, is I want you to reach out and befriend those who are prostitutes, touch those who are leopards, love those who religion rejects. And by the way, the more that you love, the more they're going to hate you. This is why you're going, remember, to show them my love, to show them who I am, that love is not just something I do, it's actually who I am, it's my very essence. And every turn, son, the devil's going to attack. After you've been seeking me for 40 days, the devil's going to attack. When he does, I want you to fight back with the living word of God. So here's how it goes, son. Whenever the devil says, hey, turn those stones into bread, you're hungry, turn them into bread, what are you going to say? And Jesus says, I know. I'll tell the devil it is written, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. But son, then he's going to throw another one at you, and he's going to say, Jesus, why don't you throw yourself off this mountain just to test to see if God will send angels to protect you? And Jesus says, I know, that's easy. I'll tell the devil it is written, thou shalt not put the Lord your God to the test. And God smiles and says, that's good, son, that's good. But what if, what if Satan throws a really big one at you? Like what if he tells you that you can rule all the kingdoms in the earth and you can be powerful ruler over everything and gives you all the riches of the world, all you have to do is bow down and worship me for one moment? Jesus says, Dad, I will look right in his eye and say, get away from me. It is written, worship the Lord your God alone. Well done, son. That's exactly right, Jesus. Just keep standing firm. Just keep pressing on. By the way, son, you're going to have friends, 12 guys to be exact, who you invest in and you pour into, your disciples, your followers, your students, and you're going to give them your best. And they're going to love you back and they're going to be so, so loyal to you, Jesus, until they're not. Peter, he'll be one of the boldest. He'll definitely be the loudest. And he's going to tell you, you know, I'll always be there, Jesus. I'll always stand by your side. I'll never deny you. But then in front of an eight-year-old girl, he's going to act like he never even knew who you were in the moment that you need him the most. And then he's going to do it a second time and a third time. And son, that one's going to hurt. But when you're serving what will later become known as our supper, the Lord's Supper, you'll break bread and you'll hand out wine and that will represent what's going to happen to your body and the blood that you're going to spill. And you'll share some food with one of your closest named Judas. Knowing that hours after that, that very same man will betray you for a few pieces of silver. And hand you over to your enemies. He'll betray you with a kiss on the cheek. But just keep loving Jesus because that's who we are. God looks at him and says, son, I want you to pay very careful attention to this next part. Because that part I just told you is going to be bad, but it's only going to get worse. In the Garden of Gethsemane, you're going to actually see what's ahead of you and what you're going to have to do, and you're going to know, and you're going to be so overwhelmed that you're going to look to me as your father, and you're going to say, Dad, is there any other way? Is there any way that I can get out of this and do it differently? And I'm going to tell you what I'm telling you now. You know there isn't. You have to go to the cross. And son, you'll look up at me with all the obedience and love in your heart, and you'll say, okay, Dad, not my will, but your will be done. And because of the pain of what you know is coming, you will literally sweat blood from your brow. They'll arrest you. They'll beat you. You're going to hurt like no man has ever hurt before. By the end of it, you won't even be recognizable as a human. They're going to whip you again and again and again, 39 lashes until you're ripped open. 
and then they're going to throw you down on an instrument of torture known as a cross. They're going to stretch out your arms and put stakes through your wrist. And son, because you're man, you will feel all of it. And just when you think it can't get worse, they're going to put your feet on that cross and put stakes through that. And they're going to hang you on that cross where the very people that you're trying to love will come by and mock you and spit in your face and strip you naked and humiliate you and say, aren't you Jesus, the King of the Jews? Bring yourself off that cross. Why don't you save yourself? The very people, Jesus, that we created will mock us, the Creator. But son, because of who you are in that moment, you will look up to heaven and say, Dad, please have mercy on them because they don't know what they're doing. Press on, Jesus. And I want you to know, son, that at any moment, you could ask me to send legions of angels and I would do it in a second and wipe them all out. But don't do that. Just keep on loving. Just keep on loving. Press on to the finish because when you do complete everything that it was prophesied that you would do, which you will, declare that you finished it and say it out loud so they can hear, it is finished. And then, son, climb up into heaven and give me your spirit. And here's the most important part, son. Every step of the way, I'm going to be with you, I'll be with you, I'll be with you, I'll be with you. I will never leave you until the moment that you actually have to become sin. And to take on the sins of this world and die for those sins. Remember, you're the innocent sacrifice. And when you become sin, God says, I'm going to have to look away from you, son. Because I am so holy that I cannot look upon sin. And you need to know that all the physical pain that you've gone through will pale in comparison to the moment that I have to turn away from you in that moment. And you'll cry out in that moment, Daddy, Daddy, why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me? Why did you turn away? Why can't you be with me now when I need you the most? And just remember, I cannot look upon the sin of the world. And that's what you've now become. But cry out, son, and give your life for those that hate you, for those that deny you, for those that you've been pursuing for so long that have just walked away. Here's the good part, son. You'll be buried in a tomb. Three days later, some women will come and check on the tomb, and the stone's not going to be in its proper place because you will not be there. Because you'll be raised from the dead. Because we will fulfill the perfect and final sacrifice for the forgiveness of all sin. Because we love those people so much. So, son, now that you've heard the mission and what it'll cost you, are you up for that? Are you willing to do that? At this moment, Jesus weighs it all, takes it all in, counts the cost, takes a big gulp, a deep breath, and he says, yes, I am. In that moment, the Holy Spirit speaks up and says, hey, guys, I'm over here. Oh, I didn't see you, Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit says, I know, I always get left out. It's always God the Father, God's Son, God's Son. Everybody forgets about me even though I'm important. Don't forget about me, Jesus. Tell them about me. And Jesus says, I will. Of course I will. And this is what Jesus says. He says, I will look at them and I will tell them very clearly, if you love me and keep my commands, I will ask the Father and he will send another advocate to help you and he will be with you forever. Guys, that's the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of truth. Emmanuel, God is with us. And then Jesus says, I know, I need to remind them that even when I go away, our spirit will come and dwell within them if they believe. 
I also need to tell them what they need to do and the promise that I commit to make. So I'm going to tell them, here's you guys' assignment. Before I return to heaven, I'm going to tell them, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And then I'm going to tell them this, Dad. I'm going to tell them, guys, I will be with you till the end of the age. Because that's who we are. We will be the Word made flesh. I am Emmanuel, God with them. So we won't leave them. We won't forsake them. Even when they hate us, we'll continue loving them. Even when they turn away, we will continue to pursue them. God says again, Jesus, are you up for this? Yeah, I'm up for this. So let's recap. What's your, what's your mission, Jesus? What's your mission? Let's be really clear. My mission is to seek and save the lost. My mission is to rescue those who are dead in their sin. I'm going to bring them life and bring them life more abundantly. Good Jesus. Who are you going for? I'm going for the righteous. But more importantly, the sinners. I'm not going for those who are already healthy. I'm going for the sick. I'm not even going for the religious. I'm going for those who actually want a relationship with me. Why are you going, son? Because they're sheep without a shepherd and they need a shepherd and I'm the good shepherd who's supposed to take care of the sheep. I've got to lay down my life. I can't not go. I have to go. I can't just shout my love from heaven. I have to become love and do the very thing that's going to save them. I'm going to show that love to them in a tangible way. Emmanuel, God is with us. So let's return to Matthew 1. And in light of the story I just shared with you, let's read it again from that lens. And she will have a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. What does it mean? God with us. And he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He's always with you. His spirit dwells inside you. When you're lost, he will be with you as your guide. When you're hurting, he'll be with you as your comforter. When you're sick, he'll be with you as your healer. And when you're dead in your sins, he'll be with you as your savior, the only thing that will ever save you. He is Emmanuel who came to save all of us from our sins. And that's how I would tell my son the story of the good news that God did not just shout his love from heaven, but that he became flesh, literally, to show that love for all of us.